Welcome to McKnight's Senior Living Newsmakers Podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. Hi, this is Lois Bowers, editor of McKnight Senior Living, welcoming you to another McKnight Senior Living Newsmakers Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Sarah Rail, Senior Director of Healthcare Strategy for NORC at the University of Chicago, and Ryan Murphy, Senior Manager at NORC at the University of Chicago. And we're going to be discussing the growing financial disparities among members of the forgotten middle, that is, middle-income older adults whose resource status puts them at risk of not being able to afford seniors' housing and care as they age. First, allow me to present some brief background information. Many of you listening will recall a 2019 study conducted by research at NORC at the University of Chicago with funding provided by the National Investment Center for Seniors Housing and Care and additional support from AARP, the AARP Foundation, the John A. Hartford Foundation, and the SCAM Foundation. That study estimated that 54% of the 14.4 million middle-income older adults in 2029 in the United States will lack the financial resources to pay for senior housing and care. You also may recall a 2022 update to that research that found in part that 11.5 million older adults, or 72% of those aged more than 75 years, will not be able to afford assisted living by 2023, and they likely won't qualify for Medicaid to pay for their long-term care needs either. Now, a new study by NORC at the University of Chicago commissioned by the SCAM Foundation, has found that a growing number of Black and Hispanic middle-income older adults may not be able to afford housing and health care in the next decade. Sarah and Ryan, McKnight Senior Living wrote about this latest research when it came out in mid-February, but I'm wondering if you could briefly describe the top-level findings for listeners who maybe didn't see the article or would like a refresher. For instance, what would you say about the study if you were speaking about it to someone you just met in the elevator? Sure. Thanks, Lois. I want to just give you a little bit of context first before I start about how this fits into our larger body of work. For the past five years, NORC has conducted research to examine how the middle income older adult population is changing and what it will look like in the next decade. And the bottom line is that this population is large and it's continuing to grow. And we've called this group the forgotten middle, which is defined as older adults who are unlikely to qualify for Medicaid, but also unlikely to have sufficient financial resources to pay for assisted living, senior housing, or other future care needs as they encounter age-related physical and cognitive challenges. This latest analysis of the forgotten middle, funded by the SCAN Foundation, is an in-depth look across racial groups to better understand the resource disparities that may affect older adults' capacity to age with choice and dignity. To further explore urban and rural differences, we also developed illustrative case studies to highlight the aging experiences and challenges of rural older adults. And the big takeaway, the elevator pitch here to our latest work is that while the middle income older adult population is becoming increasingly racially and ethnically diverse, wealth is not distributed equally among the forgotten middle and black and Hispanic groups are disproportionately represented in that lowest bracket of financial resources. Let's talk about some of the challenges facing Black and Hispanic middle-income older adults or challenges they could face that are included in the report. Let me bullet point some of those and ask you to comment if you don't mind. First would be homeownership and equity. What did this study find there? Thanks, Lois. And, and I'm glad you broke out homeownership and equity separately because we looked at both those things. And what we found, what I think is one of the biggest takeaways from this study, is that we project an actual decrease in home ownership rates among older adults who are Black and Hispanic, 
with blacks, particularly most dark, we see a 13 percentage point decrease from 82% in 2020 to projected 69% in 2035. And when we think about home equity and the value of your homes, we also saw lower rates of home equity. And we also know from an existing body of research that sort of surrounds this work in general that there's sort of an artificial devaluation of home values in primarily non-white neighborhoods as well. And what did you find about income? Right. So when you think about this study, how we designed it, and this distribution of income that we set up to define this group, there's a lower bound and an upper bound. And what we see is that disproportionately seniors of color are clustered in the lowest quartile of that income grouping. We also know that on average, whites are earning higher amounts in their careers and are therefore eligible for higher amounts of social security that they can draw from in retirement. And so when you look at the components of income, we see that whites, middle income seniors have higher proportion of their income coming from social security. And what about other assets like cars or savings and retirement accounts? Right. We continue to look at the same portfolio of assets that we did in previous versions of the study, but this time we did a little bit of grouping to look at them in a little different way. So we grouped them by liquid and illiquid, as well as typically appreciating versus stagnant and depreciating assets. And again, what we find are seniors of color on average have asset portfolios with greater composition of stagnant or depreciating components. And in particular, one I'd highlight is transportation or their cars. So they have a vehicle that counts towards their assets, but really that is something that they may use on a daily basis to maintain their independence, get to their health appointments, pursue their social lives. And so having a car, we don't tend to think of that as having an asset that we will use to fund a senior care in the future. Mm-hmm. And what did you and your colleagues discover related to health? Sure. So our analysis projects that a greater proportion of middle-income seniors who are Black will have four-plus chronic conditions and mobility limitations. Now, when I say four-plus, that may or may not sound like a lot, but in the data set we use, they capture six total chronic conditions. So four plus are quite a bit. And so we also see a sort of a multiplicative effect of age and race on cognitive impairment. So while rates are similar in the 75 to 84 cohort, as seniors of color age into that 85 plus cohort, they're projected to have substantially greater rates of cognitive impairment. What about marital status? Sure. So what we see in both current and future projections of these middle-income seniors are that those seniors who are Black and Hispanic have lower rates of, of partnership than white seniors. And so this is a twofold problem. So you think about companionship and social isolation, as well as somebody who may be your primary caregiver may remind you to take your medication or may take you to appointments. And so there's challenges no, no matter how you cut it. And as you mentioned, the latest research also looked at older adults who live in rural areas and found some special challenges for them as well. Let's talk about some of those. I'm wondering if you could talk about what the study found related to workforce issues. Sure. So this study in particular is not able to isolate workforce issues in the data set we used. However, what we know from our colleagues at the Walsh Center at NORC and other literature that our team has done is that workforce is, is not meeting the needs in rural communities. There's a lack of primary and specialty caregivers. There's a consolidation of healthcare facilities. And so there's a widening gap in health outcomes for these rural older adults as a result. We also know that there's a continuing and current limitation on transportation services. And so you think of these constellation of things where facilities are further away, transportation is limited, you may see an exacerbation of health conditions in these communities because they are not able to access the care in a way that is meeting their needs appropriately. Mm -hmm. 
And what about income? Sure. So what we know in working with our colleagues and putting together these illustrative case studies is that they tend to have lower financial resources. They also aren't necessarily able to take advantage of some of the retirement growth type retirement accounts that others who may not be self-employed farmers tend to take advantage of through their employer. So we don't see these folks as having meaningfully appreciable assets or income to meet the needs of their care in the future. Now, you did touch on transportation and access to services. Is there anything else to say there in addition to what you've previously said? I think just reiterating that transportation can be one of the largest barriers to older adults aging in their home, which is what many older adults do want. And because we know from a lot of literature that rural communities often have more limited offering of transportation services, that challenge is just exacerbated in rural areas relative to non-rural areas. Mm -hmm. And what did you find about health status of rural middle-income older adults? So again, a lot of this draws from previous literature, not necessarily new findings here, but there's a really large body of literature that finds a longstanding and widening health outcomes gap for rural older adults with greater prevalence of many chronic diseases. Now, the press release issued with a report noted that policymakers, senior housing operators, and healthcare providers have, quote, substantial work to do to ensure that race does not become a hindrance to aging well. I wondered if you could talk about what actions you think policymakers should or could take regarding the populations covered in this study. Yeah, it's a great question. This work really focuses on quantifying the problem. But in the next few months, we will be moving into another phase of work where we'll be convening a cross-sector advisory group of experts to consider potential policy solutions. And that group will build on our data analysis and use their unique expertise to help identify and inform potential policy solutions. And so we hope to be able to come back to you with more to say on that in a few months. Okay, great. Well, in addition to that group, do you have any plans for future research into the forgotten middle? You know, like I said, we're really going to be trying to move at this point from a perspective of using the data just to define Mm -hmm. the problem to convening this group of experts to really start talking about some potential solutions. And that includes experts across housing and healthcare and social needs and all kinds of different expertise. So stay tuned. And what are some of the things senior living communities can do to better serve the populations covered in this study? You know, really coming back to our data findings here, one thing that these communities can do is just to become more familiar with the financial reality of this group, to understand what people can afford, and to really try to align service offerings with that. Our work also illustrates how much more diverse the population will become over the next decade, which points to the need for improved cultural sensitivity to meet the needs of all older adults. Thank you. Is there anything else you think is important to mention that we haven't touched on so far? You know, I think just getting back to the size of this issue again, you know, our 2022 analysis projected that the forgotten middle population will nearly double by 2033. And we're talking about 16 million middle income older adults. So this is a population that is very large, a problem that is very imminent. And so the time to start developing solutions is really now. Great. Well, for those of you listening who would like to learn more, I'll be sure to include a link to the McKnight Senior Living article about the study with the posting of this interview on our website. That article will include a link to the research, which you also can find at nork.org. This is McKnight Senior Living Editor Lois Bowers, and I've been speaking with Sarah Rail and Ryan Murphy of Nork at the University of Chicago. 
Sarah and Ryan, thanks again for being here and sharing the insights into this important topic. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Senior Living Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in senior living news, visit McKnightSeniorLiving.com.